Previously on episode one of the Reroll Podcast. Rel is a place where war and imperialism threatened to overwhelm the free world in the shadow of the Empire, the Blackreach Empire. A group of strangers arrive in the small town of Brambleton. We're headed to Brambleton, child. Get in. Does that mean you're my friends? No. Some of them looking for someone specifically. I need information about Moss, the herbalist. And I need you to give it to me. We had a deal. Others just looking for help. Quite frankly, we've been through a lot worse lately. We have than a child getting a healing potion. And a child just looking for friends. How was that? I found out where Moss was. The guy said she was dead. But a dark presence arrives. The Hell Riders are coming. Welcome back to the Reroll Podcast. back to the reroll podcast um thank you for joining us for our second episode to start this episode i thought it'd be kind of fun to do a little bit of an icebreaker and get to learn a little more about the players so i have a question for you guys do you remember and if so uh please describe your first role-playing game character in whatever capacity my first like experience actually specifically with dnd um Ayla, you remember sean that lived down the street yeah. He worked at the outpost. Yeah, like he came over a couple of times and we actually did D&D. And I was probably like 13 or something like that. And I remember like not really understanding it and then being like, there's a lot of math and this is stupid and I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> so we did a couple of them and then I just kind of like just kind of backed out of it. But then, you know, years later, we uh, in the Kent place. Yeah, we did uh, did that first campaign. And I was like, I'd always kind of liked the idea because I'm I I like coming up with stories and stuff and I've mentioned this before the narrative part of D&D by far is my favorite. I love like role playing characters and like creating worlds and just, you know, building lore and stuff like that. But uh So yeah, my first character, I think it was Gideon, right? It wasn't Dante. Dante was Gideon's yeah. like grand great grandson or something like that. Um he was a bard and I played bards pretty much every single time. This is actually the first campaign that I played a fighting like like a martial class, any sort of like fighter or whatever. I did a monk for a minute. And I didn't really didn't do much for me but um yeah Gideon was just a pretty like typical cookie cutter like slutty bard character so um that was pretty fun though and I just I remember really liking the uh I don't know just the, the group dynamic is obviously always important but I really like the fact that it was just you know a group of friends just sitting down together and like just coming up with a story together to like build on to you know whatever the dm which was you at the time Tanner came up with it's it's good stuff and specifically one of the members of the party pouring wine on an ancient casket that we found and spawning a bunch of like water elementals. And like, that was obviously totally something that wasn't scripted. And that's kind of when it clicked. I'm like, okay, that was really stupid and it got us in trouble, but I love this. <laughs> um, I will go. Uh, I believe the first time I played D and D was when I moved into the big Kent house with everyone um, and the first couple of rounds, I kind of just sat and watched, and I was like, I don't know if I really get this, and I remember the first time I actually played, it was like, okay, this is the shit. <laughs> like, I love this, it's amazing, I can be whoever I want to be, and, uh, you know, also get super drunk <laughs> with people that I enjoy, so that was fun, but <clears throat> my first character's name was Andromeda, um, 
she was a human fighter, super basic, I know. Uh, she was a samurai, though, so she was also super kick-ass. Um, I don't honestly remember a bunch about her, except for she was just kind of like... She just really liked to fight. I mean, anytime we were in battles, she just really reveled in the whole, like, beating whoever's ass, because she has so many attacks. But, um, it was super fun. Uh, one memory uh, that I have... And that Tanner, Tanner and I share this memory. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I think I know this memory. <laughs> I don't remember what happened. I think we had just finished up like a boss battle and a bone dragon came down from the sky. And I was in the bone dragon's way and Tanner could have killed me. But instead, I think he took like my left arm or something. And I was mad at him for weeks. I'm still mad at him. <laughs> I'll never let him live it down. You survived. But, yeah, I did survive. And, you know, from that, I have learned to be a more humble player you know i really was like genuinely pissed off that my character couldn't use their arm i was so upset but you know in the long run it taught me to not be so attached to the characters and to understand that like you know in this game things are going to go wrong sometimes sometimes you're gonna lose an arm sometimes you're gonna die uh but that's no reason to stop playing the game it's definitely you know, it leaves room for new characters, for new experiences, to figure out how the fuck you're going to get through life armless. <laughs> but, you know, we I think we figured out something eventually. I believe I had a cursed sword, too. That, was, that thing was pretty kick-ass. But, uh, you know, D&D is all about the possibilities, and that's what I really enjoy about it, so... Well, and I think that's kind of the important thing is that you got to kind of roll with it and that like, for, again, from a storytelling perspective, like the setbacks and the shortcomings and stuff can be just as important as the victories. If you, yeah. Sometimes the best stories are from the failures, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first character was in a Pathfinder game that I'm sure we completely fucked up all the rules, but uh, I made a witch named Morgana. She had a raven uh, familiar, and she um, lost her sister, and so she was out trying to find her was kind of her story she had going on. Uh, I always love characters that do, like, buffing or debuffing type stuff, like more control the field versus damage dealing, so it's a lot of fun. That's always why I kind of like doing bards, because I really like playing support characters. I'm definitely a, like, get in there and whoop everyone's ass character. Like, that's that's my jam. Well, that's, that's good. We can cover all of our bases. Exactly. That's true. And I can whoop all of the asses. My first character was a half-orc warlock named Ham. He was uh, he was raised by I wolves. I Ham. Yeah. He was, oh, Ham. he was probably my favorite character that I've ever heard of or been a part of making. Um I grew him from a nobody that had just crawled out of the woods and didn't even really understand social constructs like eating at a table um, into this. He he got a dire wolf. He, sorry, he got a wolf at like level three and it died and got resurrected as a dire wolf. No, actually, a nymph charmed it and made it into a dire wolf. And then later it died and got resurrected as a gorilla. <laughs> and I forgot about good old reincarnation. Ham and Ham found this this god to channel his warlock skills, um, who was an absolute agent of chaos, and sent him this mask called the Mask of Many Faces, which would either help him tremendously or completely fuck him up when he used it in combat. It was like a claymore that doesn't have a point this toward enemy, 
side. <laughs> and uh, Ham had this sword that could dematerialize and rematerialize in his hand at will. Uh, so he could hide it in an ether dimension and walk through security checkpoints. He just, uh, yeah, toward the end of his career as a as a fighting warlock, he could turn crowds against each other. Um, he could make enemies just all run away in separate directions for a whole day. <clears throat> he was, uh, yeah, I miss him. Him was good. My my absolute favorite thing about that, and this is in my head canon. Tanner, I don't know if it's actually in the canon of that universe, but I'm just going to continue operating under the assumption that it, it does. But um, like every, we had a sound bar in the living room. So every time that he would put the mask on, I would queue up on my phone the Cuban Pete song from The Mask, like the Jim Carrey movie. <laughs> yeah. And it would actually like emanate from the mask and everybody would be like, what in the goddamn hell is going on? <laughs> and I felt like that was pretty fitting because, you know, it's like it's a boon of the chaos god or whatever. So obviously everybody would be like, what the fuck is that? What is happening right now? It is really funny. It never got old, at least to me. Uh, it was, yeah, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> My first character was a druid named Zinnia, and I'm always super partial to druids because I work with herbs in real life and just love nature and everything, so I was really connected with druids. And I've, and uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. But one of, like, my favorite things about it was um, wild shape, like turning into animals, and then also conjuring animals that really pissed tanner off because oh i would like God. i could do like or 16 it was like 16 panthers or like some <laughs> oh ridiculous God. amount so you and, would... it, and i wouldn't do that now because it just bogs things up and everything but it was just really funny to like just be like unleash hell with these like panthers or whatever i wanted you would never um, choose the option that was like two big creatures it was always no. like 16 <laughs> smaller creatures a small army but um also like just being there with all of you like guys um and especially like when we got snowed in at the house when we were all roommates um that was really fun because we just would play D D like all day for a couple days in a row because we could <laughs> and walking to the convenience store in the snow to get beer or whatever um like i don't know that was just definitely highlight for sure and you don't also, get to come home if you didn't fall on your ass four times on the oh, Yeah. God. Would you guys walk all the way up to like the corner store that we get like the Budweiser from? Yeah. We walked to Safeway. <laughs> God, well, I know you and I did, and that oh, was yeah. the mistake. Yeah, that sucked. I know. I think anyway. like it was like me, Tanner, Ayla, and Brendan all walked down to uh, the Benson Mart. Yeah. <laughs> That's it, yeah. yeah, to get that some malt liquor. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was I horrible. That. Like Mad Dog or mad something. Dog. Yeah, yes, it was exactly. Mad Dog. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that I would... don't want to dwell on this too much because I know people don't probably really care about this shit, but I think it is really impressive that the guy literally told me, oh yeah, we started ordering more Budweiser 16-ounce like <laughs> racks because you guys keep buying them. I'm like, we altered this store's inventory with our alcoholism. That's fucking we amazing. Really well, yeah. Uh, guys five probably depressed 20-somethings in a house. What are you going to do? Well, that, that was the only store around. Like Safeway, Fred Meyer, none of those places like carried 16-ounce cans of beer. And being the raging alcoholics that we are, we need beer in greater volume. So true. I don't know. That, that shit was so funny to me. Yeah, I cannot drink beer the way we did at that house oh, no. anymore. Yeah, yeah me but neither. That mean <laughs> so many I calories. Drink. Yeah, we, we um, elevated to hard liquor. Yes. Um, also, one of my favorite things that's kind of in real life, but D&D is not my first character, but a different character. Um, Tanner killed, like, right before Valentine's Day. 
and that sucked and i was like well okay and then on valentine's day i got a card that said roses are red violets are blue sorry i killed you (laughs) and i still have it it's on the fridge but like i just thought that was so funny it's such a funny little roses are red like you wouldn't like no one would know what that really meant if because it doesn't say anything about D on it it was like the first or second session that you had your like hero forge custom mini too yeah that's, yeah that's <laughs> true like, oh. yeah didn't you get her a gift card for a new mini? yeah yeah i did yeah. yeah that's the right thing to do yeah. i feel like that's, that's honorable <laughs> <laughs> i i wasn't like it was upsetting but it, it wasn't like i knew it's just the way the game goes sometimes that's great though still very yeah. hard to lose a character yeah yeah definitely i think that was my Tonight. that was my first character death ever so mm. well won't be the last don't you worry <laughs> oh boy um little did, did i know when asking that question it was just going to be a tour de force of my campaigns over the years pretty much yeah. <laughs> except for latara okay now everybody go around and describe the their favorite way that I killed a character. <laughs> In detail. <laughs> I did almost talk about my first character that I made with you, but then I remembered that I did have that Pathfinder game. I also, my first character was a Pathfinder character. I had a wood elf who was very young, who had his village burnt down by elementals that gave him a horrible burn scar to justify his really low charisma. And I Tried to make him as archery as possible, and I think every time I rolled, I missed my shots. I never hit anything. I think I broke my bow. It was great. <laughs> and he gets to show up in our campaign sometimes. He shows up in pretty much every campaign. We'll see if he shows up in this one. Will he have a bow this time, or is it still broken? He's a lot cooler in my campaigns. Okay. <laughs> you might be wondering why I gathered you all here today. I was kind of curious... What What is this? What are we doing? Zane, uh, we're all here because we love you. And I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> we're all here because we're in some way responsible for your well-being. <laughs> this, are you doing an intervention with a glass of scotch in your hand? <laughs> it's not my intervention. Just like mom used to do. <laughs> uh. All right, to start off today's adventure, we are going to take a small glimpse into the past of one of our player characters zane take it away a blood red sun sets in the countryside over a place known to many as the end of the world a cloud of thick smoke hangs in the air over what is left of the village of stonewing a union officer paces the wreckage clad in neat leather armor as dark as the ashes of the rubble by which he finds himself surrounded reaching down with a gloved hand He picks up a small, handmade doll, half-charred by the fire that has consumed the majority of the town's residential quarter. The officer slowly rotates the child's toy in his hand before placing it gently back onto the ashes as his colleague approaches him. You're still here, Cornell. Figured you'd be with the transport party, says the approaching officer as he gives a casual salute. Inspector Cornell turns to greet him, returning the salute. Come on, I just can't help but feel like we're missing something here. This doesn't fit the ferryman's M.O., at least not oaken fists anyway, Cornell replies. They're bandits! I'd say this is fairly on brand for their ilk. Carmine gestures broadly to the surrounding wreckage. Hmm. There's just too many unanswered questions. And I've been tracking oaken fist and his men long enough to know that something went wrong here. Cornell Cornell replies pensively. Well, regardless, I'm glad I caught you. 
Courier was sent to deliver you this missive along with congratulations, the investigator says, producing a wax-sealed envelope. Looks like I'm going to have to start calling you sir, says the investigator with a chuckle. Several moments pass as Cornell processes the letter in his hands. You give the best years of your life in servitude to the Empire, and their way of saying thanks is sticking you behind a damn desk. Cornell says, slowly contemplating the letter. Pfft. Warrant officer, he scoffs. Might as well shackle me and throw me into a dungeon. Another moment of silence passes between the two, as the smell of fire and death begins to give way to the cold evening air. Where are they taking Oakenfist and his friend? Asked Officer Cornell as he tucks the letter away. To the ironworks. Life sentence, I believe. Hmm. And his right-hand woman, Cinder. Did you find her? No, we're, we're not even sure she was here. No witnesses claim to have seen anyone matching her description. Cornell quietly ponders the smoke, hanging over what's left of the town before abruptly turning back to his colleague. Keep combing the surrounding lands for her and send word that Oakenfist is to be held for further questioning pending the completion of my investigation. He isn't to be locked away as he may yet be an asset to the Empire. Without waiting for a response, the newly appointed warrant officer turns and begins walking briskly to his horse. A confused and frustrated look comes over the inspector's face. What? But, Aldous, we finally catch the bastard and now you want to commute the sentence of a mass- Consider it my first official order as warrant officer. Cornell barks sharply over his shoulder as he mounts his horse. A cloud of dust and ash trailing in his wake, Aldous Cornell swiftly leaves the smoldering husk of, sto of Stonewing behind and rides off into the night. Very well done, Zane. Nice. Very well that done. Yeah. That was cool. Unfortunately, I wasn't listening, so you're going to have to take it from the top. <laughs> yeah, I'll, um, okay. Uh, Cornell ponders there's a ghost <laughs> and um, there's a bunch of dead stuff. And Cinder he hot? found a thing that may, may or may not be a character development moment for him, but we don't know. Because you weren't listening and you won't work it into the story because you're in charge of the story. Who? Yeah, a quick summary is always good. <laughs> and with that, we fade out of this scene before fading back into a scene outside of the watering hole in Brambleton. Last we left off, uh, God damn it! What's his name? Louis, the dwarf carpenter who works in town, had heard and seen rather a group of riders armed with fire galloping towards the city, and his last words were, "The Hell Riders." Where is everybody, and what are you doing? I don't remember. Is Flint Flint stayed inside, right? Isn't that what I was doing? I believe yeah, so. Yes. Something that yeah, okay, Shadow so had said. Kept you I inside. I think yeah. Shadow, you and I are at a table. Yeah, that sounds right. And you three had just heard a loud goom, goom, goom knock on the door. Um, I am outside, probably standing fairly close to the front of the door, and I would assume at this point probably kind of close to um, the giant and Louis the door. But... Uh, Groth, is that your name, Brendan? I think so. Yes. Okay. But, yeah, that's that's where I'm at right now. Um, Flint's gonna get up and just kind of mosey on over to the door and peek his head out. Pinking your head out. Uh, roll a perception for me. 
Ooh, I will. Um, Perception. That's going to be a solid nine. You peek your head out. Um, you don't see a whole lot uh, just peeking out to the front. It is dark beyond the porch lighting. Um, I assume, Starlet, you rounded the corner and rejoined the giant Groff and Louie. Groff, what are you doing? You are here with Louie, saw the fear in his eyes, as well as with Scott. Uh, with a nine, do I see anybody standing outside or you guys around the corner entirely? I believe they were tucked away. Okay. Um, I'm going to, seeing that Scott is conscious enough to be scared of something, I'm going to pick him up by the scruff of his neck and put him on his feet and then walk to the corner and take a look down the road. Okay, roll a perception. Uh, I'm going to give you disadvantage since you're trying to look down into the darkness. Okay. That's a big old three. All right, so you turn the corner and you're sort of peering into the darkness and you can see sort of flickering light in the distance clearly getting bigger but really can't make out anything before you feel this like rough hand on your shoulder and you turn back to Lou and he says to you you need to go in there and you need to get Hannah and you need to get her out or keep her out of sight I can't be here I'll take Scott away and then he looks at you and you see again this glint of fear and he says Groth be careful and he turns and he sort of shoves Scott down into the alley. And he's like, move, you useless oaf. Can Louis reach Groth's shoulder? He was on Something. his tiptoes. <laughs> <laughs> he's a stick specifically for that. It's like <laughs> one of those back like scratching into sticks. Like a, yeah, a hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it only has to add about four feet to his total height. Um, yeah, then I will run inside. So, pretty pretty quickly, Flint, you are peeking out, and all of a sudden you see Groth standing in the doorway, sort of pushing you aside, trying to make his way in. <laughs> oh, oh, the hell? Sorry, sorry, excuse me. Everything all right? Uh, there's somebody called the, the Hell Riders? And the moment that word leaves your lips... Silence falls on the bar. Several patrons who are in here stand up immediately and begin to shuffle out. Um, Flint, good. I have your attention. Do uh, I, Hannah? Do I, do I know them? Do I know the hell, who the Hell Riders are? Go ahead and give me a history check. Uh, can I have advantage since I'm from here? Uh, sure. Okay. Starlet, are you entering the inn as well, or are you staying outside? Um, I think it depends on if I heard <laughs> what he had said about the, about him, Louis not supposed to be there, and Anna. Well, Hannah. depending on how this role goes, this that might answer your question. I have a 14. Um, well, first of all, Starlet, you definitely heard that. You were a part of that conversation. Oh, sorry. Never mind. You're not in the bar. You're somewhere else. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. So, then, yeah, I, I'll probably be shuffling in, and, like, I want to lean in a little bit to Groth and just be like, I have your back. If you need help, uh, okay. I can support you. 
With a 14, Flint, you've heard of the Hellriders. They have a rather infamous reputation. A squad of elite cavalry who are essentially well-known for their scorched earth tactics, particularly uh, an event that has been ongoing over the last five or so years in the Riverlands called Scorchings, where cavalry would ride through towns, uh, set them ablaze, and keep on riding just to hurt people, kill people, damage crops, uh, and demoralize anybody who's resisting any sort of taxes, levies, or influences against the Empire. Um, the Hellriders were very, uh, are a very notorious group for this. That being said, the specific details of them and the nature of their presence you've uh, kept a wide berth from. Okay, so would it be fairly likely then from my perspective that they're here to kill everybody or that that might not be absolutely the case? Um, I, I grew up in the Riverlands, so I actually lived in fear of this happening to our, like, my own town. So I'm sure that I was thinking there's probably some sort of protocol that we would follow if this were to ever happen there. Um, I would say the most curious thing, um, for you, Flint, from this point of view is, um, seeing that this town has already been hit and is sort of already occupied by Union forces at the Granary, you think it's okay. very weird that they would set this town ablaze. That being said, it's, gotcha. it's definitely ominous that their presence is arriving at all. Um, Bo, you definitely have lived in fear of these scorchings. In fact, you know firsthand, really, the only thing that... The only sort of escape plan or defense you had against, at least in your smaller village, um, against possible scorchings were to hunker down specifically uh, in basements or outside um, and to be ready to form a fire line and put out flames when they leave. It's um, okay. It's proven to be a particularly brutal and uh, effective tactic against these smaller communities. Flint's just going to grab what's left of that bottle of whiskey and just kind of head outside to see what's going on. Okay. Roth, did you say anything to Flint? Or did you just kind of push past him? Um, no, no, I was saying that back to you. That Which the hell thing? Right Sorry, coming. I must... Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So, Groth and Starlet, since you guys are these information carriers, you see the bar sort of cease up. Um, you see tension and fear wave over every patron in here, especially Mrs. Winthrop. And go ahead, Groth and Starlet, roll a perception... Or an insight. Okay. Um, um, can I... Can I say something to the... Um, uh, to Mrs. Winthrop? Yeah. Uh, okay. I think I, like, kind of go and slide, like, coolly over to the bar. And I, like, just kind of stare at her straight in her eyes. And I'm like, you might want to get out of here. I will do everything in my power to protect the people here. But don't tell me where you're going. It's better if I don't know, but please hide yourself. She looks at you, and she replies. She says, 
Do not start anything. Keep to yourself and pretend like everything is okay. We've been through this before. And she... Go ahead and roll that insight. And, Groth, you roll a perception. Oh, my mistake. I rolled an insight already. Oh, That's fine. Can I roll the perception then? Ah, <laughs> uh, sure. Okay. And it was in that one. Okay. Um. Twenty-one. With a perception. With a perception, um, you are looking around the bar. A couple patrons stay, and they just sort of hunker down, and like all communication conversation ceases immediately. Um, several of them run out the back door. And you do see Mrs. Winthrop look over to Hannah the halfling, who's um, just sort of standing there at the edge of a bar, kind of waiting and reading the room. Meanwhile, Groff, you don't know what's going to happen. You're so unsettled by the quickness and the danger that is heading towards this small town of yours. I would almost say with that natural one insight, you probably are getting a wave of fear yourself. Um, I guess knowing what I know about Hannah, or is it Anna or Hannah? Hannah. Hannah, okay. Um, knowing what I know about Hannah not needing to be there, um, I'm gonna go walk over to her and, like, you know, lean down so she can hear me or, you know, whatever, and be like, I hear that you're not supposed to be here. Shall I go find a place to hide? She looks at you, sort of tears swelling in her eyes. She says, Get me out of here. Alright. Uh, I lean down so she can get on my back and I just whisper over to her and I'm like, hold tight to me and don't like, keep tight to my body. Don't try to turn different ways. Move with me. And um, I'm gonna throw like my cloak over both of us and um, I'm gonna turn and give Groth one last like I trust you can handle this. Uh, I'm gonna get her out of here. How big are halflings? Mm, about ninety plus pounds. Are they bigger or smaller than dwarves? I was never clear on that. Uh, similar in height, but definitely lighter. Okay. Um. So go ahead and give me. I assume you're leaving the bar, going out the back. Yeah, I'm gonna go out the back and just try to like scout out a good place for her like um because you know i would try to hide her upstairs but i i think they might try and search the area so but i don't i guess i don't really want to go too far okay so i don't know i just i want to search and see if there's anywhere that i can think of that would be a good spot for her opening the back door going out of the bar go ahead and roll a survival Four? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you burst out the back, this halfling in your cloak, very uncomfortably. This is throwing off your weight ratios, and you're trying to sort of scan this back area. Um, unfortunately, you don't really know this terrain or this town. Your best option is to hide where you are, you think. Okay. Um... Then can I do, like, a... Because, I don't know, I assume there's maybe, like, a balcony, like, on, like, one of the sides that, where the rooms are. Is there something like that up there? Sure. Okay, I want to try to, like, do, uh, I guess probably an athletics 
No. Um. Maybe. Am I acrobatics any better? Fuck. I feel like my acrobatics and athletics should be good because I'm a cat. But. Eh, I don't know. Can I try to like swing myself up there using acrobatics? Sure. I will give you disadvantage because you have a halfling on your back. Do you That's have fine. a climb speed at all as a cat? I don't think I do. Mm. Where would that be? Features and traits, wherever it says your speed. Uh, mm -hmm. Like my walking speed is 30, but that's all it says. Okay. Well, if you had right. a, a swim speed or anything, you know, like where in the past where I was in under features and traits. Okay. You have a climbing speed, climbing speed of 20 feet because of your cat's claws abilities from being a tabaxi. Okay. So you actually uh, don't even have to roll that. So you can just climb up there. Okay. Well, I did anyway. And I want to tell you it because it's a flaccid 20. So there you go. All right. <laughs> so you scale up to one of the balconies. Um, the room inside looks dark. Doesn't seem to be occupied by anybody. Okay. Um, is there any, like, is there, like, a barrel that's used as, like, a nightstand? Or, like, is the bed somewhere where she could hide underneath? Or I mean, you would, at that point, have to break into the house. Or the, the room. Because there will be a door that goes out to the balcony. That's true. My room is still open, though, right? You don't know that. Well, I mean, I know where my room is, though. Yeah, but your room's actually on the front side of the house. Oh, it's on the front side. Okay. Well, think about what you're going to do. We're going to go to somebody else. Go for uh, it. Flint, you grab the... Actually, before we do that, Shadow, what are you, what are you doing? Same with you, Bo. I think that uh, sensing everyone getting frightened and tense, that Shadow tries to she goes quiet and still and tries to like hide herself but she also is keeping an eye on uh groth the giant or at least who she assumes the giant is uh and will probably if he leaves try to follow um uh i wanted to know if like it seems like people are doing that kind of protocol of like going into hiding like basements Anything like that, if it looks like they're doing that. Um, go ahead and roll a perception. Seven. Really killing those perception rolls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, hard to tell at this point. This is a strange town and you are limited to this one end so you're getting a sort of sample size so you really don't it doesn't seem like there is a plan if any um i want to try to gather especially like women and children um and try to see if which i'm assuming there's only one child here but um but try to kind of get some organization and see if like we can get a little bit more organized and maybe you know, go into the basement or should something. I, should I roll my stealth to see if she noticed where I went? Sure, go ahead. I got a 15 stealth. Okay, so she does not see you. Um, but or he rather, sorry. He does not see you, Bo. You begin to try and gather people, and the first person you go up to and try to give instruction like we need to get out of here they 
aggressively like break away from you and say, Sit down and shut up. Um. Okay, I don't really know what to do with that. Um, uh, I guess I'll just say, like, won't they kill us? Not if we keep to ourselves. Meanwhile, Flint, you exited the bar, bottle of whiskey in hand. Eventually, very quickly and obviously, the thunder of galloping hooves enters your uh, perception, regardless of your really shitty role, really. But pretty quickly, you see several horses sort of trot to this bar. You do get a small sense of relief as they enter city limits that they decrease the sort of a trot. And as they come to this outdoor area of the bar, you notice ten riders. A um, couple of them garbed a little bit differently. But most obviously, what you can only assume to be their leader is gar garbed in very well-crafted armor that seems to resemble some sort of demon or fiend of the sort. It is a armor that has a reddish tint to it that you can even see glowing off the flickering of the orange uh, torch, and it has these horns that twist around the top. Um, and pretty quickly, these horses are brought to the front of the inn, and they throw their bits over different uh, hitching posts, tie their horses up, and they're all sort of gallivantly and talking, and the presumable leader who's riding this huge black horse that has its own crafted armor that looks of sort of half plate steps off the giant mounted animal and boots just to, to a plant in the mud and he stares up at you I think right about now is when I would be coming out of the bar as well cool if I see him go out of the bar I'm probably going to try to go through one of the windows into the alley and okay. peek out from the alley. I'll have you roll another stealth check for that one. So, Groth, you're exiting, and you see Flint, sort of bottle of whiskey in hand. Flint, what are you doing? This, uh, this, the leader's, like, just looked over at me. Yeah, he's sort of looking over at you as the rest of his crew are getting their horses sort of in order. Is he, like, kind of close, like, I could talk to him? Yeah. Okay, I'm just gonna kind of, like, look his armor up and down and just say, uh, ah, beautiful craftsmanship, and just kind of give him a little bow you hear a faint sort of <laughs> uh, his dwarf that it is he takes a step a heavy footed step just clink takes another one clink clink and gets up to the balcony and he walks towards you he towers pretty tall not quite as tall as Groth of course but definitely tall, and he looks down upon you and he says, What brings you to my town, dwarf? Just passing through. The whiskey here is as good as anywhere else, isn't it? Seems you're not that well-traveled, dwarf. The whiskey here tastes like piss. 
Yeah, if it ain't dwarven, it tastes all the same to me. <laughs> there. And he looks at to you, Groth, and he says, Heard about you. Laborer. Some sort of big man. Some sort. He whispers in your ear and he says, You're not the first giant in this town I've killed. And then he, like, pulls his armor back. And sort of, you see in these this T-slit that provides him vision through his helmet, this, like, wiry smile that uh, climbs across. And he says, Then again, you may be of use to me yet. Excuse me, I need a drink. I don't recommend this stuff. <laughs> After I'm you take another swig of it. He marches through, sort of, trum, 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 and pushes open the doors. Behind him, his men are sort of like chuckling at his bravado and like uh, walking up the balcony steps, passing by you, spitting the and just sort of like. <laughs> Just these grimy-looking soldiers that likely haven't bathed in a week smell like horse and sweat and have soot stains uh, on their eyes, and they're taking off their helmets and such. Alright. And inside the tavern... Uh, Shadow, real quick, what did you roll for your stealth roll? Um, I rolled a six, but I don't know if this helps. As soon as I get into place, I'm going to cast Minor Illusion... So that it looks like there's like a pile of garbage where I'm at. Okay. You can just kind of crouch in it. I'll give you advantage for the minor illusion as well as it being dark. So go ahead and give me another roll. I'm finding the thing that helps with Flint's voice is when you want to do Scottish, you talk wider. Hmm. <laughs> 11. Your mouth is wider. You talk wider, happy, wider, and with your mouth open. <laughs> What'd you say, Latara, sir? I got an 11. 11? Okay. You, you feel hidden. Um, I'm wondering if she was standing next to me, if I could have cast Guidance and, like, just brushed my hand off her as she ran out, because I didn't, and being like, it's not safe. I don't That's think I so. To. I didn't want to interrupt, though. I don't think so, because you're sort of trying to do your own thing of, like, this is all happening while you're trying to get people out of the bar and assess the situation. And she just sort of slunk away. She didn't inform you of her plan or anything. So, those of you who are on the inside of the watering hole, you see the doors swing open and loudly slam into the inner wall. Uh, you hear a small curse from under the lips of Mrs. Winthrop as... This wide-swinging door clearly left another mar in the inn's walls. The the large soldier saunters in, the leader, his armor barely fitting through the doorframe, this presence of fear exuding off of him. He presses his hand on the side, on each side of his metal helmet, squeezing before bringing it up over his head and those of you who are on the inside actually see his uh, face he's got this pale white face that's washed over in this reddish sort of um, blushed cheeks with soot and dirt all over in that sort of T frame that his eyes could see through um, 
you see his reddish uh, metal that has these curved horns on the helm. Um, and he's scanning the room as his medium reddish brown hair falls on these pauldrons that match the aesthetic of the armor. And he says, Hellriders, it is time for us to enjoy revelry in this horrid backwater once again. And he looks at the bartender and he says, Widow Winthrop, please prepare our drinks. And she quickly gets to work, putting out glasses, clink, 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 and pouring different drinks of different liquors that she's, like, kept very handy under the uh, table. Uh, he scuffles in and he pulls out a chair and it just sort of scrapes against the bottom of the wooden floor. And he puts his helmet on a table and the other uh, hell riders start funneling in and one by one just come in, spitting on the ground, looking around, just causing an overall ruckus. You'll see one of them uh, go up and snag a drink from another patron or just knock over a bar stool. And they come in and they're rowdy and the energy is aggressive. What are you guys doing? Are me and Groth still outside? Uh, yeah. Um, Flint's gonna look up at Groth and just be like, well, what you make of these guys? Uh, not much is what I make of them. <laughs> Do you think they're gonna be a problem? Anybody who looks like that is always a problem eventually. Better point. I'm gonna kind of mosey back into the bar, I guess. May as well. If I see them going back in, is there like a crate or something near the window that I can get on that I can see in from? Uh, sure. I'm gonna try to move back towards the window and get up where I can see it and then again cast Minor Illusion to maybe add a couple crates on top of it. Sure. I'll uh, say it takes you a minute or so. You've got to sort of push a crate to the exact spot and get your height right. Um, I was still attempting to either break into my room or go find the other or go get yeah, in my room. So go ahead and give me probably I would say an athletics check to try to get on the roof because you would have to scale over the top of the roof essentially to get to the front unless you want to go around. Or I mean, I'm sorry, you have the climb speed, right? Yeah, so you could climb, climb on speed. the roof yes. and go around the other side easy enough. Um, okay. Um... I think I do want to try to just get to my room, um, because I don't know if these rooms are locked because somebody else is using them, or if these people are going to stay for the night. Like, I'd rather do that, unless I'm allowed to do another, like, survival check from up here, to because I have a better view. I, w I would say um, not at this point, just because of everything that's happening. You're probably trying to, A, stay out of sight, and B, it is still dark, so the height advantage probably doesn't do too much for you. Um... That's true. I would say, though, you can definitely okay. get to the your window on the front side of the inn. Okay. I think I'm going to do that. And once you get there, sure enough, you notice it's broken. Damn it. Starlight curses under her breath, and uh, it was, I'll have to deal with whoever the fuck did that later. Um, but I crawl in, and uh, I... I guess, I don't know, in my room, is there, like, an armoire? Is yeah, there, I mean... Like, yeah. I'm sure there's a bed. There's can basic you, amenities. Okay. I don't, I don't I don't know if this is out of line, because I'm the DM, but can you do a perception check to see if you notice that one of your drawings is missing? I would say <laughs> she'll probably notice eventually, but that's probably not her main concern right now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, all right. Um, 
I guess I'm going to open up my... Hmm? No. I'm going to bring her over to the bed that I have pushed up against the wall. And, um... I'm gonna, like, tell her to get underneath the bed and shove, like, my bags and things just underneath the bed. Like, it so it surrounds her and looks more like I'm just storing everything there to keep it out of the way. Um, but, like, I want to do it as neat as possible so it looks like it hasn't been disturbed and it's been there for, you know, the whole time I've been here, essentially. Mm -hmm. So. Okay, cool. Uh, what are the rest of you doing? Yeah. Is, um... Did he have a name, the leader? Or was he just the Hellrider leader? Uh, you don't know it at this point. Okay. Is he sitting by himself, or are his men around him? What are they? What his is men the are in here? kind of scattered. Uh, he's sort of sitting at the bar, turned around, leaning uh, back against the elbows up, just watching sort of the rowdiness and destruction of his men, grinning while sipping this uh, very uh, clear-looking glass of some sort of alcohol. Okay. Um, I'm going to wait until he finishes his drink, and then I want to approach him, whenever that may be. Okay. What are the rest of you doing in the meantime? I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help um, Mrs. Winthrop uh, just, like, flip glasses, pour, whatever. Any, anything I can help with, uh, maybe grab drinks and pass them out to these guys just okay. kind of be yeah um confidently cool. I'm gonna act like these guys are just any other normal shit patrons I'm gonna have you roll a performance check okay um Bo what are you doing I think that um I'm going to cause they're sitting at like tables in the bar right they're sitting at tables except for the leader. The leader's... At the bar, uh, elbows on the bar uh, table, looking back, overlooking the bar. Okay, gotcha. Um, I guess I'll just kind of find a good spot to sit that keeps my distance and just listen to what I was told just to, like, act, you know, normal or, like, to, to not... Uh, you know, draw attention. So I'll just kind of sit back where my where I was sitting before, as long as it's not taken or not too close to them, and uh, just and probably try to like see if I can see Shadow. Okay. Uh, at this point, Shadow, go ahead and roll stealth. I'm going to give you advantage because of your minor illusion. Um, and then go ahead and roll perception bow. What'd you get for your performance check? Um, rough. That was a seven for me. Okay. So, you go up, and you are... You jump in behind the bar, and you've actually helped out Mrs. Winthrop, or at least seen her work a good amount uh, during your tenure here. And you begin... She immediately works you into the flow. She's passing you drinks, and you begin to pass it out. But at, as soon as you approach the table, um, you've got this sort of wooden platter of two uh, frothed ales that are just filled to the brim. And one of 
you walk by and circle around the table and one of the uh, Hellriders goes to hit the tray out of your hands. Uh, do you let them or do you pull back? Uh, I'm going to pull back. Okay, roll a dexterity save. a five you go to pull back but he hits it with like the tip of his finger and it just boom, uh, falls backwards flipping and shattering on the ground and spreading beer all over that it's all sudsy and he looks up at you and he's like looks like you got a mess to clean looks like you're getting your beer last <laughs> and go ahead and roll a general charisma check just add your charisma bonus Alright. Uh, that's an eight. Goddamn. Uh, single digits God. all night. Damn. You see his brow furrow. And he sort of, like, leans forward and he says, I want my replacement now. And he looks like... You see him dart his eyes back. And, in fact, you sort of follow with your per, uh, peripheral vision and see that... The Hellrider leader is sipping his drink, looking at you. And he sort of tilts his glass back and takes the final drink. And at this point, Flint, you approach him. Um, I'm just going to motion to his glass and just say, Buy your drink for a minute of your time, sir. He looks at you and he says, Don't bother, dwarf. I drink free here. But you're probably the only one in this bar worth a damn talking to. If it's all the same, I think we might be able to help each other. All right. I'm going to yeah, just pull up a seat next to the bar so I can at least get closer to his face, ear, whatever. Talking <laughs> level. I'm going to pull up right to his wiener. <laughs> what are you doing down there, Stebby so One? <laughs> I was talking to my penis. <laughs> I was gonna say, I, I'm not quite the stubby one in this situation. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, um, I'm just gonna yeah, kind of lean a little closer and just say, uh, being a Mount of the Union, I imagine the name Davy Eldron might mean something to you. Can't say I've heard of him. What does that have to do with me? Well, he's been uh, causing a bit of trouble in the region. He's been a pain in my ass since the moment that we met, but... I was wondering if you would happen to know... I was sent here to collect a lead to find this man by the name of Marjorie Moss. I don't know if you... If that name means anything to you. He places his glass on the counter and says, Widow! And points his finger and, and very rudely, if any of you have worked food service, <laughs> sort of my ushers are over. Yeah, snaps. Can I hear any of these conversations? Uh, go ahead and roll a perception. That's a four. Yeah, I think at this point you're trying to sort of adjust yourself and pick out through the noise. Uh, I'll let you re-roll your perception in a bit, but all of this happening, you probably miss. Um. Anyway, he turns to you. He turns to you, Flint, and he says, Why in 
this godforsaken charred land would I give a flying fuck about Davy Elrond and whoever sent you to do whatever you think is so worth my time. Well, I'm just saying you look like a man who's clearly been decorated and I gesture to his armor or whatever. If he, I don't know if he has any, like, adorning medals or any shit like that, but, uh... You say, I just want to find this man. You can have all the glory that comes with it. He's been... He's considered to be an enemy of the Empire in this region. Roll a charisma. Uh, persuade. Persuasion. Roll a persuasion. Okay. What is my persuade? Uh, 16. Okay. Right. He goes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> harried stubby one, you truly aren't from these parts, are you? Well, <clears throat> he stands up and he says, Gentlemen, seems I am in need of an introduction. A chuckle of laughter from his subordinates sort of ripples through the otherwise quiet um, tavern. I am Sir Pavel Makov, Damon of the Riverlands. I felled the so-called giant of Brambleton. I squeezed the agony out of him. Drop by drop until dawn itself begged for my mercy. I butchered the Huani half-breeds, and now their livelihood belongs to the Empire. Scott Halloway is a drunken fool sobbing in the mud. So, who, if not me, runs this town? Who, if not me, is the most infamous. Dwarf, I <laughs> find your forwardness refreshing, luckily. But pay no mind to whatever you think my reputation is. For I am none more than the daemon, and I do not need your quest to prove anything. Bear. I'm just gonna hop off my bar stool. Thank you for your time, regardless, and walk away. That was loud enough for the whole bar to hear his speech, right? Yes, you would have definitely oh, sure. heard that. And that was Sir Pavel the Daemon? Sir Pavel Mikov, Daemon of the Riverlands. And as he stands, he, he sort of says, Widow Winthrop, give me the bottle. Head down, puts the bottle on the table, and Roth, you're looking at this as well. And he grabs it, and he says, Seems that I need to go remind the people of why they should fear me. And he gives you a little wink, Flynn. And he walks out of the bar. <laughs> Two hell riders leave with him, but the rest stay. How many are there? Seven in the bar. Three, including Pavel, leaving. The best excitement we've had all evening. I'm gonna walk after him. At a distance, but yeah. Okay. Let's go back to Starlet. 
Starlet, you hear this from downstairs. It's it's coming through the floorboards, and it's outside of Pavel talking. It is quiet enough to hear a dime drop. What are you doing? As they, like, leave out the door and stuff, I, I guess, are they coming up the stairs to come out here, or are they just walking out into the city or the town? They're walking out into the town. Okay. Um... I, um, I, like, put one of my, like, really fuzzy, like, uh, like, wolf pelts over, uh, the halfling under the bed that I have, and, um, I just whisper to her, uh, I know you're scared right now, my lady, but I need you to be as quiet as possible, and I'm going to, uh, if you hear this noise, and I'm gonna make, like, the... Thieves can't, like, knock for, um, safe. Uh, like, I'm gonna tell her, then it's me coming in. Any other sound is not. So, stay here, stay quiet. I will try not to leave you for too long, but it's... I will do whatever I can to protect you. Um, keep quiet for me now, okay? And... Star is going to kind of creep up over to... Is there, like, a window that looks outside, aside from the one that's, like, no, on the roof? No, there's or... one window per room. They're pretty small rooms. Okay. Then... Is it well lit up there? Like, if I were to go sneak out onto the balcony, would they it's... see me? If they were looking for me? No. I would say it's very dimly lit, if not darkness, on the rooftop. The sconces on the, um, sort of pillars that hold up the awning, uh are filled mm -hmm. with torches, but at your distance, you're in the darkness, essentially. Okay, then I'm going to sneak out of my door as quietly as I can, and I'm going to pull out my um, bow and quiver uh, and, like, sling the quiver over my back. I have my, like, hood on. It's, like, a black, maybe, like, small patches of purple on it uh, sort of thing that I've sewn together over my time wandering around. But, um, I... Star is just going to sit there and keep a watch and look at where these uh, people are going. Uh, but did he put his helmet back on when he left the bar? Or did he leave it off? Um, he actually left it in the bar. Okay, then I want to I want to kind of like train my sights sort of on him, um, but I'm not going to loose an arrow yet uh because i just don't know what's going to happen i i also really don't want to draw attention back to where i'm at but i just want to i want to keep watch on him really really closely like but still remain hidden okay. up where i'm at go ahead and give me a stealth check with advantage meanwhile uh groff bow and uh shadow what are you guys doing um we rolled for if i could see her oh that's right i'm sorry what did you roll? I got a 14 for perception. Oh, yeah. I had a 15 on that. 17. Sorry, sorry. 17? Okay, so you see, like, a crate that previously, that is up to a window about halfway, that previously was not there, and your rudimentary knowledge of its magical abilities, you, you get this, you sort of come to the conclusion that might be the doing of the girl you were with. Okay. You don't necessarily see her because of the illusion, but you do get the sense she's probably in the vicinity. Okay. 
Um, I got a 25. I'll have you roll perception in a moment um, once we figure out what everybody's doing. So, Flint, you're following him out. Um, I would say a decent crowd probably follows. Probably three patrons from the bar or so. The two hell riders that go with him, Flint. Um, Groth, what are you doing? I'm going to stay in the bar and try to use my just general size and toughness to uh, sort of keep everybody Diffuse. corralled. Keep them in line. Sure. Uh, yeah, keep the scene from getting entirely too rowdy, at least. I'm going to walk up to the table where that guy spilled that beer i'm gonna bring one less than the number of people that are sitting there i'm gonna ask for a vote on if he should get his beer first or if they okay. all should <laughs> so i'm gonna have you roll another performance check okay that's an eight Damn. um okay so you bring this platter of beer you place it down and you tell me exactly what you say I'm going to say, um, oh, your buddy here thought it would be kind of funny to spill your beer. I was trying to bring it. Should he, uh, should he get his replacement before all of you? Is that fair? One of the other gentlemen sort of stands up and he says, <laughs> I don't know if you think you're trying to be funny, giant, but fair is not how we play. You're new here, so I'll give you a break. Quickly, go get another drink. Of course. Who gets these though? And, like, you can see his, like, frustration as he's sort of, like, getting redder. He's like, go! <laughs> I'll just set the platter down and go, uh, get another beer. Okay. Shadow, what are you doing? How close to the end of the alley am I at this window? Probably like 10 feet. So can I like still kind of see Flint from where I'm at? You're, I mean, you would have to go to the corner of the alley, but yeah, that could be done pretty quickly. Okay. I'll probably just move to the front of the alley where I can see him, but still try to listen to what's going on inside. Okay. Bo, what are you doing? And at this point, you probably saw this box essentially vanish. Okay. Um. I. Do, I don't know. It doesn't seem like people who did move to go view or whatever it didn't seem to like cause any issue or draw attention to them in a negative way. Like. No. Right. It so. Did not. Um. Is I guess I kind of I want to like stand on the right outside the door and watch, but okay. not not go too far from the bar because I want to be able to kind of be able to see or perceive both. Okay. Star, from your elevated position, you actually get a good vantage point of all this playing out. Pavel throws open the doors of the watering hole, accompanied by two of his hell riders. He grabs a torch out of a sconce on one of the pillars, and the other uh, hell riders grab their uh, torches that they haphazardly threw in the dirt earlier, attempting to relight them, uh, and they do. And you can see this sort of 
aura of lights um, illuminating the Hellriders, Pavel, and this uh, small crowd that's following them That as they head towards the center of town. And pretty quickly, Star, you connect that he's headed towards the memorial that you found Scott Halloway at earlier. Pavel walking in front of the Hellriders and the two behind him to create sort of a buffer between the, pe uh, the people of Brambleton and himself. He gets to this memorial adorned with yellow and red flowers, um, clearly a sensitive area of town, someplace that has seen a lot of traffic. Um, and he grabs his the bottle of vodka with the one-legged man on it, bites the cork off and bloop, uh, pops it out as the two Hellriders stand guard takes this long swig before he dumps it, drenching the flowers in this potent alcohol. And he turns to the crowd and says, A year ago, just about to this very day, I crippled this village, slayed the giant of Brambleton, and butchered the half-blood families, and while I saw Brambleton on its knees... I had a wave of mercy. And he just starts dumping it and dumping it and dumping it until the bottle is completely empty. And he says, This town is mine. No giant of Brambleton, no Huani, and no Scott Halloway to stop me. And he takes his torch and he tosses it next to the memorial and it quickly erupts into flame and the lights flicker off his face, giving this ominous sort of aura to his, well, um, intimidating presence. Those who live in Brambleton are permitted to live by me. Never forget, you all are here and still allowed to live your mundane and pathetic lives because the demon of the Riverlands allows it. He turns to one of his Hellraisers and he says, Fuck this backwater town. <laughs> Let's go get drunk. And that'll be all for this week's episode of the Reroll Podcast. Good job, everybody. That was fun. And thank you for introducing this glorious asshole to the narrative. <laughs> oh my the God. whole episode sure. is making sure you guys know he's an asshole. I... <laughs> have so many ideas for what I want to do to these people that involve the rest of you and I think we might even be able to pull it off and make this first or second session um, very very annoying to Tanner but we'll, we'll see we'll see if it all works out in my favor probably won't I mean there, but... there are ten of them and five of us but I, I, yeah I don't know let's, let's see how this unfolds Thank you for listening to the Reroll Podcast. The world of Rel and all characters within are copyright and fictitious. Any similarities to persons, living or dead, or actual events are purely coincidental. Big thanks to Tabletop Audio for producing quality RPG music and ambiance that we can use in our games. If you've enjoyed what you've heard so far, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram, at Reroll Gaming, Twitter, at Reroll Games, or Gmail, rerollgames at gmail.com. Please leave us a review on whichever podcast service you are listening on. It is fundamental in getting us off the ground. We also have a Patreon if you enjoyed our show and want to help us grow. From all of us at Reroll Gaming, thank you very much.